We're going to get started into something this morning here that I don't know how long it'll go or how far it'll go, but I know a lifetime will be inadequate, but we're going to go with as much as the Lord will give us opportunity to go with. And it's something that you've heard a lot about, but I don't think I've ever heard a message preached on it. It's just one of those things that's kind of left out. We just talk about the glory of God. What is it? So what's the glory of God? Now, I've thought that it was certain things, and I've actually taught that it was other things. We'll get into that later. But in thinking about the glory of God, my first thoughts were, well, Lord, how in the world do I start with this? Do I start with what it is, try to define it, use the rule of first mention out of the Word of God, which is any time a subject is mentioned in the Word of God, that usually fixes its application through the entire Scriptures. And it kind of fixes it. It may or may not be so in this case. I haven't even gone there yet. But I thought, well, I could start with that. And then I thought, well, maybe I could deal with the chronological usage, you know, just go pick up the concordance and start running the glory of God, <laughs> start chasing that down that way. Then I thought, well, we could study the application. How does God use the glory of God? How is that applied in every situation? Start understanding it from that perspective. The Lord said, well, how come you don't just start where I started with you? <laughs> I said, okay, that makes sense to me. So where did God start with me? He started in Psalm chapter 50. That's where he began this. Psalm chapter 50, verse 14 to 15. And for many of you, it will be the beginning spot for you probably. Say, why is that? Because it's directly linked to some stuff God did over a year ago that changed a bunch of us. And it changed me the most. How come? Because he was working on my faults like we just had finished talking about last week. 50, verse 14 and 15. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Now I have always believed and taught that that business of glorifying God and thanksgiving were directly connected. Makes sense. He talks about offering to God thanksgiving, pay thy vows, and then context right in there, thou shalt glorify me. And it reminded me of something we'd covered a while back in Luke 17. Let's look over there. Luke 17. And when I read that business over there in Psalms, I said, okay, it all fits. So I'm not really off base here too much. So when we got problems and we go to God, we beg him for something and he gives it to us. Our gratitude is connected to his glory. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. 11 through 19 and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village. And there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. Now the theme and the thought still holds true back in a Psalm 50. 
that this gratitude, this sense of thanksgiving is directly connected to the glory of God. It makes sense. But I have to apologize this morning because I was wrong. Those things are absolutely not the same and they're not connected. And when I hit the verse over there that says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork, Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no voice nor language where their words are not heard. And I think about that and I say, where is that connected to gratitude or thanksgiving? Do you feel a sense of thanksgiving when you look at the heavens? Well, you might. If you're an astronomer, certainly you can thank God that he gave you a way to make a living. (laughs) But when it comes right down to it, that is not the same stuff. It's different. And as closely as they resemble this gratitude, thanksgiving connected to the glory of God, they are not the same. They are different. So when he says, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer thee and thou shalt glorify me, he's not talking about your gratitude. He's talking about something else entirely. So what's he talking about? Well, one's an expression of emotion for the pure joy of being healed, in this case, as a known terminal illness and all that means to the one that it happened to. For example, this guy had a disease that they knew there was no cure for, period. They put him in quarantine and they say, you guys stay away from this. You stay unclean. You don't get near anybody. So here they were, condemned to death, horrible death, fingers, toes, rot and fall off. I mean, if you know anything about leprosy, that is one horrible disease and it's real slow and it kills the nerves and you don't even feel the pain and you rot away. Anyway, so here's this guy and all of a sudden he realizes he is healed. But you know what? His first response is not thanksgiving. He said, well, we just read it. It looked like it was thanksgiving to me. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Something else happened first. You say, what happened? And when one of them saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. What is glorifying God? You say, well, that was him turning around and saying, thank you. No, it wasn't. Say, how do you know that? And I'll show you more proof of that before we go very far. But you look on further down there and it says, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. First, he glorified God. Then he got really thankful. Something happened first that's connected to the glory of God from a distance and with a loud voice. You want to know what that was? This guy is walking along and he looks down and the leprosy's gone. And he turns around and he said, man, who are you? Wow, I don't believe this. Who are you? You know what he recognized? He recognized God's power. Amen. That's what he recognized. He was overwhelmed, not with what had happened to him, but what had happened in spite of logic, reasoning, understanding, all knowledge. And he said, man, look at that. You know what the heavens declare? That right there. You know what's wrong with most people? They have no idea who God is and who they are. They think they're the most important thing and that God benefits by doing stuff for them. That's what they think. If I was to ask you, what do you think when you think of God? If I said, who is God? 
What would come to your mind? You know what should come to our minds? The first thing that should come to your mind is, He is my creator. He made me. That's what should pop into your head first. You think, well, God, holy, powerful, creator of the universe. No, me. He made me. And the more you get a hold of that thing, the more you'll function properly in relationship to him. You know why? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are something else. You're amazing. You know what you are? You're a representation of the glory of God. That's what you are. Why? If you think flowers are something, you ought to know what goes on inside of this stuff. And if you think that's something, you ought to see what happens inside of the soul. Because that was the part that was worth saving. The body isn't. And we talk about the body as being a miracle. You wait till you find out what's actually inside of you. You're going to find out that, God, you are far more than I ever even imagined. (laughs) Exactly. What do you think of when you see the heavens? Oh, I think how pretty they are. I think how many there are when it's really a dark night, you know, and the hurricane wipes out all electricity. I think about how big they are, how impressive they are. That's the reason we put that thing together on the heavens, declare the glory of God, is because I just became overwhelmed with the glory of God. What is that? The guy that can make that stuff. By the breath. He just speaks and... It's out there. That is so wild when you think about it from that perspective. It boggles the mind to think of somebody that's capable of that. Now, we know about it. We know about it intellectually, but this is supposed to go beyond that. Let's move along here. Now, before we get really heavy into this business of glory of God, we'll go back and you look at 12 to 15 again, and you realize that as this guy turns around and he says... Wow, Lord, I can't believe, this is a miracle. There's a song that says, it took a miracle to hang the world in space. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. When he saved my soul, that was a miracle of love and grace. It was. You realize you are more value than any other of God's creation. That's how valuable you are. You look out there and you see that stuff, that's amazing. You know what's wrong? You've become too familiar with each other. You don't appreciate what God made right here. You have to go see something new. You know, that's typical of the flesh, hearing to tell something new. That's why they call it news. (laughs) You know what's wrong with us? We don't appreciate what we have, so we want to go find something new. You know, you look around, you say, well, I'm bored with it. I want a new computer. That one's too slow. (laughs) Anyway, what's going on here? All of those guys saw Jesus, didn't they? They all saw him from a distance. They all believed in who he was. How do you know? They said, Jesus, master. That was not just Jesus. That was Jesus, master. What else? They began to obey what he said. He said, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. This business of the glory of God, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. You know what to become a doer of the word is regarding those verses? Is when God does something for you, you're not supposed to just be thankful. 
You're supposed to be beyond that. What kind of beyond that? We're supposed to think of it in terms of the things that we think of when we think of God has performed miracles in our midst. That's what else is supposed to happen. It's not just a sense of gratitude. I mean, has God ever answered any of your prayers? Which ones do you remember? You remember the ones that are miraculous. That comes to the edge of glorifying God. But you're still not even doing it consciously. You're just kind of doing it because I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene sort of a thing. It's like, wow, what have we seen here? You're supposed to know what you saw there. You're supposed to be able to say, okay, God, I understand what giving you the glory means and I want to do it. You help me do it. So how do you give God glory? Well, I'm thankful. That ain't enough. That ain't it. How else do you give God glory? You start to begin to understand some of the things he wants you to understand. You know what else is really odd about this? He tells them to violate the law and go to the priest, right? Did they ask him for anything? Why'd they say have mercy on us? Instead of please heal us. You know why? Because they didn't have any idea what was going on. They didn't know who he was for sure. All they do is recognize him as somebody with some power and authority and capabilities from what they'd heard. And they believed. They had faith. They had faith enough to call upon his name and to seek him. What do you think would have happened if they hadn't hollered at him and said, have mercy upon us, Jesus, Master? I'll tell you what would have happened. He would have ignored him and gone right on by. We don't get it yet. But God set this whole world up for one single purpose, to discern your will. That's it. There is no other purpose except to determine your will. What is your desire? You have a desire to glorify him? Well, I have a desire to get what I want, and if that'll help me get it, I'll do it. Wrong. That ain't it. Well, if I could figure out a way to get mommy and daddy to do what I wanted them to do and it didn't cost me too much, I'd do it. Wrong. That's still all about you. This stuff is not about us. The one that made this stuff made us for himself. And we constantly are aware of how many problems we have and what's going on in our life. And we think about God only once in a while and only when it's really important. We include him when it's important, when it's necessary, or we do it as a sense of duty. They all knew who he was, and they asked him to have mercy. What happened from that moment when he said, go show yourselves to the priest? They gained hope that they hadn't had for a long time. They were without hope, just like a lost sinner, without hope, without God. All of a sudden, he said, go do something. Hey, man, there's some hope. Maybe something's going to happen. Maybe we get down there, the priest will take care of us. Who knows? But that is something they had been missing in their life, and without hope, boy, is that tough. You get in a position where you're hopeless, and man, you talk about depression. You can't even imagine how bad it is. There was a place that had over the door, I don't remember if it was a prison or what, I think it was, and it said, abandon hope, all ye that enter here. What was that, Brother Selden? I've heard that. I'm thinking it's from uh, one of the writings of the Greek where they entertained I'm not sure. Might have been. I just remember that phrase and I think, you know. Divine comedy is what I was trying to think. Divine comedy? But I'm not sure. Abandon hope, all ye that enter here. Now, they did act by faith on what he told them. 
And so they began to move. From that point on, only one of them realized the magnitude of what just happened. Only one in ten got it. How'd he get it? Why didn't the other nine get it? You understand why? Because God wants it to come from inside you. He don't want it to come from me telling you about it and then you acting upon it passively or whenever you think about it. He wants something to happen inside of you. What's he want? He wants you to recognize his glory. Personally, individually, and only one in nine got it. That's really hard for me to understand somebody that has put his eyes on Jesus and has performed a miracle right in front of him. How could they not say, Lord? You'll see why once we get over to Peter. In fact, gratitude almost diminishes you giving glory to God. They almost work against each other. Wow. And the reason for that is because if you feel gratitude first, it's for what you received and how you benefit. That was not what impressed that guy. When he turned around with a loud voice, he was not saying, oh, thank you, I'm healed, I'm not going to die. That wasn't it. He was saying, man, who in the world are you? If you can do this stuff, wow, I am overwhelmed, I am amazed, I stand in awe. And then as he approached him, then that turned that direction back toward himself and he realized what he'd done for him, but it was first glorify God and then it was gratitude. If you were praying as sincerely as I believe most all of us were praying for my wife, when you found out that that thing had turned around, you experienced that feeling first of God's glory. You were kind of overwhelmed with something you really didn't believe was going to happen. He did something amazing. Then you began to think beyond that. That's the glory of God. And if we're going along just by instinct and trying to understand the glory of God, we're going to miss out on an awful lot. It's like reading through the Word of God and thinking about everything in the Bible, how it relates to you and what you're supposed to do about it and what you're supposed to know and how you're supposed to hide His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him and all of this other stuff. When you read the Bible from your perspective, you miss 99% of what the Bible's about. This book's about Him. That's right. You know where He starts it? In the beginning, God, what? Created that should be enough to absolutely overwhelm us right there. Can you see him actually forming you? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He makes us. Man, how do you do that, God? We were out fishing yesterday morning. We were catching some of those fish, and I was just amazed. You pull in that speckled trout. You know what that thing looks like? It looks like a speckled trout. You say, why should you be so amazed? Do you realize how many generations that thing has come through? And it never mutated to nothing else? You think about that. All these plants out there. I got all that garden put together and they all got pollen going on. But those squash don't start looking like tomatoes and the tomatoes don't start looking like corn. How come? The creator, he fixed that stuff where it stays the same. 
thousands of years in a row. You catch that fish and it still looks like that fish. That is amazing to me. Why? Because you're thinking about the creator and what he does and how he does it. That's why. It ain't about, well, thank you, God, for these fish, and I sure wish we could have caught a few more. That wasn't the most important thing when I was out there. I was just thinking about what God was doing. We were walking out there, and that sun started coming up over the horizon, just a little bitty nib, you know, sticking up. We're walking along pretty soon. Chris says, man, he sure can do some stuff, can't he? I said, what? He goes, he sure can do some stuff. And then I got what he was saying. <laughs> I looked over at that sun, and I said, yeah, man, he can do some stuff. We're just too used to this. You know that? You go damage your car and see how fast it heals. And I tore up my leg really good a while back, and it still hurts standing here, but it's getting better. But you realize I don't have to take that to the body shop for it to fix itself? All I have to do is keep doing what I enjoy the most. Eating, breathing, getting something to drink. (laughs) God fixes it. He heals it. He heals all our diseases. You ever had the flu? Ever had a cold? Had pneumonia? Man, now there's a disease. Who do you think healed you? See, do you believe in miraculous healing? Sure do. How come? Because I ain't dead. (laughs) I mean, I've had stuff I was supposed to die from, but I haven't. Well, I wish we could get a lot further than we got this morning, but I am going to wrap this thing up this morning. It's hard to do. I didn't even get to the exciting stuff, the stuff I was crying about and had goosebumps running all up and down me. I said, man, oh man, God, you're really going to do something here, aren't you? You're just not going to leave us out here wandering around wondering what happened. You're going to actually show us. He said, yeah, I think I'll show you a little bit. I think God will give you more and more if you respond to what he gives you when he gives you just a little bit. You respond to that, he'll give you a little bit more. You respond to that, he'll give you a little bit more. But he won't do it if you're going to try to consume it upon your lust and take advantage of him. No more than you'd tell your children how to take advantage of you. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. We stand in awe of him and actually begin to give glory to God for who he is and what he does. You want some more? I'll give you some more of that. I enjoy that. That's why you were made. Let's close in prayer.